wonder-working stars in the precious... Incredible as they seem, are not the results of mass hysteria. <laughs> You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. The meat hissed as it slapped onto the grill, and the pitmaster pressed down with his chrome spatula, not hard enough to release the juices, but just enough to sear the geometry of the cooking grate into the beef. He had a look on his pale face while he did this, a slight dilation of the pupils, a slight retraction of the lips over his wet gums. Pinpricks of milky sweat stood out from his flushed forehead, and he reached up, wiping them away with the back of a pudgy hand, never breaking eye contact with the meat. An intoxicating smell rose from the grill. Three feet away, father stood watching, light beer in hand. His stomach moaned and gurgled, and his salivary glands convulsed, flooding his mouth with fluid. The spatula slid underneath the meat, flipping it. The raw side sizzled, and again the spatula applied delicious pressure, gentle yet firm, testing the pliability of the flesh without causing hurt. Mmm, said father, and then looked around, embarrassed in case anyone had heard him, but the sizzle of the grill had drowned him out. The pitmaster lifted the spatula to reveal a series of perfect grill marks. Oh, wow, said father, again not having meant to speak, but this time the pitmaster heard him. You like that? he said. Oh, it's a thing of beauty, father said, trying to play it cool. That it is, said the pitmaster. That it is. You know, people didn't used to do this a lot in this country. He gestured around to the rest of the church barbecue, to the grill, the gingham-covered tables, and the buffet, with its stacks of sauce-slathered ribs and plump, juicy sausages. Can you believe that? No, really? said father. His stomach gurgled again. Taking mercy, the pitmaster flipped the steak onto father's paper plate. Father descended on it, nearly forgetting to put down his beer and pick up a fork. It's true, said the pitmaster. Barbecues are something we only really started doing up here in the fifties. Imported it from the states. Course, they stole the idea from their slaves and from the Spanish, who got it from the Arawak in Haiti. Barbecues in Arawakian word, you know. Oh, yeah. Walkian. Oh, yeah, said father, between gushing mouthfuls of succulent dry rub beef. And for a long time, said the pitmaster, slapping a dripping marinated slab of pork on the grill. White folks didn't like to eat barbecue. They thought it had, uh, savage connotations. Father and the pitmaster grinned at each other. They thought, ah, these savages barbecue, and they probably eat people, therefore barbecue is connected to cannibalism, said the pitmaster. He shook his head. 
course the Arawak didn't eat people, and if you think about it, the white Spanish were the ones working people to death in the gold mines and then spending the money on food and such, so really, when it comes to cannibalism, he shrugged and shook his head, still wearing that big smile. Well, he said, we all like barbecue nowadays. Uh-huh, said Father. He hadn't been listening. His eyes had been fixed on the supple, lascivious slice of pork on the grill. The pitmaster chuckled and shook his head, flipping the meat. Once again, perfect grill marks. How do you do that? said Father. How do you get the marks so perfect? The pitmaster smiled wider. He had streaks of reddish barbecue sauce down the front of his white polo shirt. You gotta get a better grill, he said. The next day, Father was already standing over the new grill by the time Mother and Daughter came home. Blue smoke filled the backyard, and platters of steak, pork, ribs, and sausages already glistened on the folding table. Seeing the new grill, Mother dropped the bag of groceries she'd been carrying. Honey, she said, what is that? This, said Father, slapping one of the propane tanks, is the best decision of my life. It was eight feet end-to-end, -end, supported on one end by two full-sized rubber wheels, and on the other by a metal stand connected to a trailer hookup. It's the trailer-mounted mobile Grillosophy Mark 12 commercial barbecue grill, honey, he said, with twin 50-pound propane tank solid stainless steel gray construction and 12 by 4.8-inch tires. How much did it cost? she asked. He did some... mental math. With delivery, it... $8,200. She went pale. Honey, she said, we can't afford that. He rounded on her, steel spatula in hand, face dark with anger. Yes, we can, he said. I moved some numbers around and it'll be fine. And after all, I make the money around here, so why can't I spend it on something I want once in a while? Behind him, something began to burn. He swore and whirled to scrape at it, and Mother went back inside. "'What's wrong with father, mother?' said daughter. "'Your father's just always wanted to be able to barbecue properly "'because it's something his dad was good at,' said mother, pretending to be calm. "'So he saved up and bought himself one. "'I just wish he had told me,' is all. "'That night, they ate meat for dinner. "'A lot of meat. "'Look at that,' said father, "'pointing out the dark lines along one stretch of tenderloin.' Look at those grill marks. Look how perfect they are. I'm glad you're happy, honey, said Mother. Oh, I'm not happy yet, but I'm getting there. A lot of them didn't turn out quite like that one, but I'm getting better. Pretty soon I'll be good enough that every piece of meat I cook has the most crisp, most perfect grill marks. Grill marks that look like they were drawn on by a calligraphy pen. Then I'll be happy. Dad, said Daughter. Are there, uh, any vegetables? Father looked around the room. Platters of meat filled the counter. Bowls of marinating flesh filled the half-shut fridge. The dinner table groaned under a boneyard's worth of short ribs and T-bones. The garbage can overflowed with overdone and underdone pieces of meat, or ones that had failed to achieve Father's standard of grill mark acceptability. He rolled his eyes. Not tonight, sweetie, he said. Tomorrow I'll grill some, uh... Zucchini or something, too. They sat down to eat. 
Mother and daughter fiddled with their meals, but father moved with a frenzy, taking one mouthful of steak, one of that, trying the dry rub, the salt and pepper, the Carolina sauce, the Kansas sauce, the smoky Texas mesquite. But when they had finished eating, they had barely dented the pyramid of cooked meat which had filled their kitchen. "'What do you want me to do with all these leftovers?' said daughter, clearing the table. "'Throw them out,' said father, wiping red sauce from his lips onto a napkin. "'We'll start again tomorrow.' "'Throw it out,' said mother. "'But that's so much food.' "'Fine,' said father. "'Just put it in Tupperware and leave it out on the counter. "'It'll keep for a couple days.' But the next day, when they got home, he was out grilling even more. He'd run an extension cable from the garage so he could watch the football game while he grilled. "'Honey, look,' he said, as mother came up and put an arm around him. The grill was crammed with pork and beef, but also newer, more exotic cuts and types of meat. She recognized liver and bloodwurst, and among the torn-apart meat trays stacked on the ground next to him, she saw words like bison, elk, and... Was she mistaken? Kangaroo? Look! he said again, pointing to the screen. What am I looking at? she said. The football pitch! he exclaimed. You know they call it a gridiron, right? Look! How crisp and perfect those lines are. It really is like the field has grill marks. He seemed electrified by this epiphany. And look, he said. Keep watching. It's almost halftime and they're going to do a military flyover. They just played a recap of the last game during the commercial break. And I noticed it then. When the planes fly over, whoosh, the smoke trails they leave against the sky. He paused, waiting for her to get it. She stared at him blankly, and he shook his head at her ignorance. Dark lines against the sky, he said, like he was explaining it to an eight-year-old. It's grill marks, honey. It's grill marks again. Honey, I'm telling you, it's all grill marks. <sighs> I'm glad you're having fun with your new toy, she said, patting him on the shoulder and turning around. New toy, he muttered as she went. New toy. She doesn't get it. It's not a toy, he called over his shoulder, and once you taste some of these kangaroo burgers, you're gonna agree with me. They'd already run out of Tupperware, so Mother had gone out and bought more, but by the third day they were running out of counter space. Containers of leftover meat stacked the counters to the base of the cupboards, and there was no room in the fridge because Father was experimenting with, quote, the ultimate marinade. The house was starting to attract flies, and so... Reluctantly, Mother threw out a bunch of the leftovers. Seems like a real waste, she said to herself, stacking garbage bags out in front next to the overflowing bin. The next morning, raccoons had gotten into the bags, and the whole sidewalk was scattered with scraps of torn-up, spoiling meat. Mother and Father stood, with their hands over their faces, staring at the reeking mess. Honey, said Father, how did you let this happen? Me, said Mother, you're the one cooking so much meat that we can't possibly eat it. He glared at her. Oh, I'm sorry, he said. I'm out making all the money, buying all the groceries, and doing all the cooking. It seems the least you could do would be to take out the garbage without causing a catastrophe. Hey, guys, said a voice. Wow, looks like you got quite a mess there. A pickup truck had pulled up to the curb. A pale, pudgy man in a baseball hat leaned out the window. Pitmaster Rudy said father. What a nice surprise. The pitmaster chuckled. Looks like you two have been grilling up a storm, he said. 
Well, said Mother, he has. The pitmaster chuckled. New barbecue? More than you can eat? Ain't that always the way? Father's pupils dilated as his body was racked by an idea. Pitmaster Rudy, he said, why don't you come by for a little backyard barbecue tomorrow? We'll invite some people from the church and make an occasion of it. I've really been working on my form. With this new grill, I've been working wonders, Pitmaster Rudy. I've got a special marinade I've been working on, and not to toot my own horn, but I think you'll be impressed. Mother touched Father's arm. Honey, she said, tomorrow is your daughter's recital for... He hushed her with a gesture. Honey, this is important. She can miss one recital. Besides, we can invite all her friends as well. She'll love it. What do you say, Pitmaster Rudy? The Pitmaster smiled with those dilated pupils and wiped a sheen of milky sweat from his forehead. Well, son, I have to say a little weekday barbecue sounds mighty fine to me. Heck, why not? I'll see you at eight. He tipped his hat at mother, gave them a sir and a ma'am, and then drove off. Wow, said father, a real live pitmaster coming to a barbecue in my own backyard. He smacked a hand to his forehead. Tomorrow at eight. I've got to get things going now if I want to do a proper low and slow. Honey, I I'm so sorry. I'll help you with the garbage in a bit. Right now I've just got to run and pick some things up. He patted her on the shoulder, and without waiting for an answer, he bounded to the driver's seat of the family SUV and peeled out of the driveway. But when he returned, he rushed into the house with his arms full of groceries, not even noticing that mother and daughter were still out cleaning up the ruined meat. Father didn't come to bed that night, and before she went to sleep, mother paused at the window. Looking down, she saw he was still hunched over the grill, with game highlights playing on repeat and bowls of bright orange marinade scattered all around him. Delectable smoke wafted through the window, and the smells of pepper, tomato, vinegar, and cooking fat carried her off to sleep. Daughter woke in the middle of the night to find father sitting on the end of her bed. Dad? she said. It's just not working, he said, his voice muffled, head in his hands. I know I've got the marinade perfect, but I just can't get the cook right, and I'm running out of time. Pitmaster Rudy's going to be so disappointed. It's okay, Dad, said Daughter. I'm sure you'll figure it out. And even if Pitmaster Rudy doesn't like it, that doesn't matter. Mom and I still think you're a great cook. Father smiled back at her. Thanks, sweetie, he said. Sorry to wake you up. It does matter. A lot. But thanks anyway. He blew her a kiss at the door and closed it behind him. Dad's in their barbecues, she muttered, and went back to sleep. The next morning, the bathroom was covered in barbecue sauce. Sorry, read a note from father pinned on the door. Ran out of space in the kitchen, had to use the bathroom. Tub's a bit of a mess. I didn't realize how many people we'd invited and didn't have a big enough bowl for the marinades. Does that mean he was marinating raw meat where we bathe? said daughter, looking down at the ring of ketchup and vinegar around the edge of the tub. I think so, said mother. Oh, dad. Gross, said daughter. Without the shower, mother and daughter had to make do with dry shampoo and deodorant. Another surprise waited downstairs. Gone to pick up more fixins, said a note on the front door. Took the car, sorry. Back in time for the barbecue this evening. It's all grill marks, baby.
Much love, Dad. Mother and daughter sighed and ordered an Uber. Both were late for work and school. They arrived back late that evening, too. Father had left a message that afternoon saying he'd forgotten to pick up plates and napkins and could they please grab some on their way back. When they got home, the SUV was in the driveway and the backyard was set up for a barbecue with chairs and tables. The game was on the TV and the grill was gently smoking. But Father was nowhere to be seen. He must have gone to the corner store to see if they had plates and napkins, said Mother. I tried calling him to say we were getting them, but I guess he was too busy with his damn grill to pick up. She checked her watch. It's five to eight, she said. Can you take care of people when they show up? I need to rush upstairs and fix my hair. Inside, the floor was covered in barbecue sauce, and bright red-orange footprints tracked over the hardwood from the kitchen to the bathroom and upstairs. Ugh, she said. After all this is done, we are going to have a talk. She left a sign on the front door telling guests to just come around the back and went upstairs. By the time she came back down, guests were arriving, and Daughter was playing a reluctant host, passing drinks around from the cooler. Any sign of your father? said Mother. Daughter rolled her eyes. Not yet, she said. What gives? This is his event. Why are we hosting it? Mother sighed. Well, honey, she said, I don't know what to tell you other than that the barbecue isn't just a barbecue for your father. It also represents something to him. Represents what? Represents what? said a voice behind them. They turned. Pitmaster Rudy stood by the closed grill with a light beer, examining father's new stainless steel tongs. Why, just about everything. It's not just about barbecue, ladies. It's about a philosophy of life. One handed down from father to son since the Spanish first discovered the new world. My oh my yes, he said. Your husband there is a man who gets it. Because barbecue's not just in here, he said, tapping the grill. It's in here, he said, putting his hand over his heart. And it's out there, he said, gesturing around at the world. The rest of the guests had gathered around to listen to this speech, and were all nodding along thoughtfully. Ladies, he said, spreading his fingers, it's all grill marks. He turned to the crowd. Folks, our host today has put together one heck of a barbecue. What do you say? The guests cheered and clapped, and Rudy held up a hand. They fell silent and listened, drawn in by the authority of the pitmaster, this keeper of secret knowledge, this shaman of seared flesh. Now, our host told me he's been working on something real special for us, and I can't tell you how excited I am to give it a try. How do you feel? The crowd hooted and hollered. Mother and daughter drew closer together, prodded by some unease they could not express. Well then, said Pitmaster Rudy, how about y'all grab a plate and a knife and fork and come line up for a slice of this slow-cooked, marinated roast? More cheers followed, and a general clamor for plates and cutlery. One person in the crowd shouted, Oh, hell yeah! On the muted television, fighter jets left dark marks across the sky, mirroring the pattern on the field where one player was being carried away, crippled by an injury to the head. Now, now, let's be fair, said Rudy, holding back the crowd. What say we let the long-suffering wife and daughter have the first slice, huh? The crowd beckoned them over. 
And even though they felt they had eaten enough meat for a lifetime that week, mother and daughter came to stand in front of the grill, next to the sweating, dilated pitmaster. Smell that, said Rudy. Those spices? Mmm. I think your man may have just found the perfect marinade. He put his palm on the handle and swung up the lid of the grill. Oh, wow, said Pitmaster Rudy, as the crowd crowded in close. Fine work. Fine work indeed. The flesh is just falling off the bone. Who wants some? The guests all whooped and shouted, Me, me. Mother and daughter said nothing, staring down as the aromatic smoke wafted around them. Folded up with an apple in his mouth and shrunken by the heat, father squinted sightlessly up at them from the stainless steel grate. He finally looked happy. He must have rolled himself over a couple of times because back and front he was covered in. Ooh-wee, said Pitmaster Rudy. Would you just look at those perfect grill marks? The Wrong Station is made possible by the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Consider visiting today at patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, or wherever it is that you listen to The Wrong Station. This week's episode, Grill Marks, was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Anthony Botello. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Ilan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Ilana Schmid. You can subscribe to The Wrong Station on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and any other of your favorite podcast services. You can follow The Wrong Station on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at therongstation at gmail.com. You can also follow The Wrong Station creative team on Twitter at AEW Saxton, AJV Batello, and Jacob BRDS. And until next time... Thank you for listening.